The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, everybody. This is Nick Filato, and you're listening to Filato on Football here on the Big Blue View Radio Network. I am the host, Nicholas Filato, and this week 12 was pretty interesting. We had the NFC-leading Green Bay Packers lose in the division to the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota, and we also had another interdivisional upset with the Houston Texans taking down the Tennessee Titans in Tennessee. So we've had some wacky and wild games this week, and let's go over them all. But first, let's start with the NFC East. New York Giants, they were by last week. Now they're playing on Monday Night Football against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And we had the Washington football team win two in a row now. The Philadelphia Eagles win two in a row. But those Dallas Cowboys floundered in Kansas City. But let's start with the Washington football team who defeated the Carolina Panthers 27-21 to in Carolina. Carolina is now 5-6. and six. They were in the seventh seed of the wild card spot. That now belongs to the Minnesota Vikings. That seems like it's going to be a revolving door between a lot of teams because that area of the NFC right now isn't exactly great. And a lot of teams are kind of hovering around the 500 range. There could be a team that's... 9 and 8 that squeaks into the playoffs possibly even 8 and 9 we'll have to wait and see what happens there but this was a game where Taylor Heineke was 16 of 22 hyper efficient 206 yards and he threw three touchdowns so he didn't do all that much with his arm but he did enough with his arm in big spots found Terry McLaurin seven targets five catches for 103 yards and a touchdown he also found DeAndre Carter for a touchdown near the goal line and Cam Sims for a touchdown near the goal line and this was a game that was supposed to be Cam Newton's coming back party and I felt like from everything I saw I haven't had a chance to extensively go over the tape but from everything I saw Cam Newton looked okay in this game man he was 21 of 27, 189 yards, threw two touchdowns, did not throw any interceptions. He also used his legs on the ground. He had 46 yards doing that, also scored a touchdown, had a nice 24-yard scamper. So I felt like Cam Newton looked a lot better than the Cam Newton we saw in New England last year, but it's still a player who is a little bit older, who relies on his athletic ability. I'm wondering how he's going to play once attrition sets in and he's taking a lot of big hits because he is somebody who puts his body at risk because he has that ability to. He's six foot five. 250 pounds and he's incredibly athletic taking big hits and stuff like that I'm just wondering how that could affect him down the stretch of the season 
In this game, however, it was the much maligned Washington football team's defense that ended up stepping up in the final two Carolina Panthers offensive drives where they forced two turnover rundowns. In those situations, it doesn't have Chase Young anymore, this defense. That is a huge loss, but now the Washington football team is 4-6, and six, and they are within striking distance, along with many teams in the NFC, of that final wild card spot in the NFC. And you know what? who's even much more impressive than Washington, is the Philadelphia Eagles, who dropped another 40-burger. They dropped one a couple weeks ago. They dropped a 40-burger on the New Orleans Saints defense, one of the better run defenses in the league. And for the, I want to say, fourth week in a row, the Eagles rushed for over 200 yards collectively. A lot of that is because their quarterback rushes for 60 to 70 yards every week, and he had three rushing touchdowns in this game. He only completed 13 passes, but it really didn't matter when you're doing that much work on the ground. And Philadelphia controlled this game. It got a little interesting down the stretch of the game. Trevor Simeon put the team in a position to where they could make it uh, competitive because they scored 22 points, the Saints, that is, in the fourth quarter. But at the end of the day, it was a 40-29 to victory by the Philadelphia Eagles. Miles Sanders had 94 yards rushing. Jalen Hurts, 69. Jordan Howard, 63. The identity of the Eagles has switched so swiftly since the beginning of the season when everyone was criticizing the heck out of Nick Sirianni and rightfully so for not running the football. All they were doing was throwing the football with their young quarterback and putting him into tough positions. Now they are hashtag establishing the run all over the place and they are rushing for 200 yards a clip every game. So you know you got to give credit where credit's due. I do not like the Eagles obviously being an NFC East fan, a New York Giant fan specifically, but they are now 5-6 and six, and they play the New York Giants next week. That's going to be a very interesting game at MetLife Stadium. Can the Giants slow down this team? Can they slow down this rushing attack? We'll see what they look like against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think there's going to be telling. It's going to be a short week, which is entirely unfortunate, but it's the way it is, right? And as for the Saints, Trevor Simeon threw two picks in his game. The Saints offense just didn't really look all that great against the Philadelphia Eagles secondary. You had Darius Slay take a pick back for a touchdown in this game. I think that's got to be his at least second or third time he's ran one back for a touchdown. He did one against the Lions, I remember as well, and that beat down when the Eagles also dropped the 40-burger on that team. So Eagles are buzzing right now. It's unfortunate, but it's the reality. Then we have the Cowboys, who were buzzing, but a lot of injuries and a lot of, I guess you could say, unfortunate things happened to the team. You had Amari Cooper test positive for COVID, so he couldn't dress. And then you had C.D. Lamb suffer a concussion. Ezekiel Elliott got hurt in the beginning of this game in the first quarter, but he kind of played through the injury, but he was ineffective. Nine carries for 32 yards. Tony Pollard was seven for 50 with a nice 31-yard run, but Dak Prescott didn't do anything in this game. 216 yards passing, two interceptions. They just couldn't get anything going. Michael Gallup only had five catches for 44 yards on 10 targets. Dalton Schultz had eight targets, caught six for 53. Cowboys just looked out of whack as the kids would say. I don't think anybody's saying that these days. I don't think it's the 90s anymore, but that's what it appeared to be from everything that I saw from this game. The Kansas City Chiefs, their defense looked better than what we saw earlier in the season. I feel like the last four games or so, even when they played the New York Giants, their defense is kind of coming along right now, and they're not the sieve that a lot of us saw and witnessed earlier in the season. 
it's not like the Kansas City Chiefs offense really did all that much in this game. They established the run a little bit with Clyde Edwards-Alaire, 12 carries for 63 yards and a touchdown. Patrick Mahomes was 23 of 37, had an interception, didn't throw a touchdown, 260 yards, a lot of targets to Tyree Kill, a lot of short catches. He had nine for 77, 23 yards was his longest catch. So it wasn't like they were opening the field up against the Cowboys. They basically just did enough to win this game. And Harrison Bucker... Missed an extra point. He missed a field goal. So, I mean, there were a ton of missed kicks all throughout this Week 12 slate of games. It was it was wild to see. The Cowboys are now 7-3. and three. The Chiefs are now 7-4. and four. It was doom and gloom not long ago for this team. And now they have ascended themselves into a position to be in the conversation to lead the AFC since the Titans lost and this team lost in an embarrassing fashion, mind you. But the Colts are an underrated team. Buffalo Bills at home got beat down by the Indianapolis Colts, 41-15. to And a lot of people knock running the football because we live in an age where throwing the football is just a more efficient way to move the football. It is a more explosive way to generate plays. Modern football goes against the Woody Hayes kind of football. You know what I'm saying? Woody Hayes, the former, obviously famous Ohio State Head football coach who said three things can happen when you pass the ball and two of them are bad. He was known for running the football. And obviously times have changed drastically since then. But when you see teams like the Tennessee Titans and teams like the Indianapolis Colts who are having a lot of success running the football, you can still buy into running the football as as a means of winning football games. But you better have contingency plans if you ever go down 14-0. And that's why, well, at least another reason why passing the football has to be a priority. But when you can go into somebody else's building, the Buffalo Bills, number one ranked defense, mind you, in the NFL, Josh Allen, possible MVP, all of these shiny, nice weapons, and absolutely just punch them in the mouth like the Indianapolis Colts did, that is just such a dominating way to win a football game. When you just run the football, Carson Wentz, This offense put up 41 points. Carson Wentz completed 11 passes. He had one touchdown. He was 11 of 20 for 106 yards and one touchdown. Jonathan Taylor rushed the ball 32 times, had 185 yards, four touchdowns on the ground, and had that receiving touchdown that Carson Wentz threw. It was all Jonathan Taylor in this game. And the Bills couldn't do anything about it. And yes, the Bills, I think it's important to mention, they didn't have their stud middle linebacker, Edmonds. Tremaine Edmonds was not available here. But this is still a defense that has Matt Milano, Jordan Poyer, you know, Gregory Rousseau, Ed Oliver. There's just so many good pieces in the front seven, not to mention Jordan Poyer, who I mentioned a little bit earlier, but Tredavious White, who's one of the better cornerbacks in the league. They have a really good second there. They're just a great team overall. And they just got absolutely embarrassed at home by the Indianapolis Colts, who did whatever the heck they wanted. Josh Allen threw two picks in this game. He was 21-35 for 209 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. They can't do anything on the ground running the football. Zach Moss, three carries, five yards. Devin Singletary, three carries, 17 yards. Matt Breida, five carries, 51 yards. Nothing is going on on the ground for this Buffalo Bills team. They're a much more spread you out, air it out type of team. And when they are forced to run the football, they don't do it all that well. And it's not like they even had that ability in this game because the Colts jumped out to a quick 14-0 lead, but their possible MVP quarterback couldn't get him out of that hole. And it wasn't just all on Josh Allen. This was a collective effort right here. It does not help that your defense just had Jonathan Taylor doing whatever he wanted against him. I just thought it was an eye-opening affair that went down up there in Orchard Park because you look around the AFC, 
everyone thought the Buffalo Bills, the Tennessee Titans, you know, those teams, you know, they're very good football teams who are kind of dominating right now. You have the Chiefs. A lot of people remember that the Chiefs struggled for a while, but, you know, they've strung together several wins in a row now. And they haven't necessarily looked like the Chiefs of old other than the Sunday night football win against the Las Vegas Raiders. But there's still... I think, an ascending football team with the Ravens squeaking through. But man, this Buffalo Bills team lost, and then the Tennessee Titans lost too. The team that was leading the AFC. The Tennessee Titans, at home, get beat by the Houston Texans. And this is one of those games that it's interdivisional, right? Houston Texans, they were 1-8 and eight heading into this. Tennessee was 8-2 and two heading into this. And the Texans win this game 22-13 to because Ryan Tannehill threw four interceptions in this game. And the Titans just made a ton of just dumb mistakes all throughout the game. I mean, Chester Rogers letting the punt hit his back. He turned the back to the punt trying to get the gunner away from the goal line. The punt ends up hitting him in the back and then the Texans end up recovering. Tyrod Taylor does a John Elway just flip basically into the end zone. He only completed 14 passes in this game, but he had two touchdowns on the ground. It was just a, a terrible, I guess you could say, everything went wrong for the Tennessee Titans. Everything went terribly wrong for them. The five turnovers. You, you turn the football over five times, you're not going to win many football games. And the Texans didn't turn the football over once. I mean, the Texans started this game, they were up 12-0 at halftime. So it was still a very attainable game. And then once the Titans stopped the Texans, forced that punt, that's when it bounced off of Chester Rogers' back, gave the football back to the to the Houston Texans, and then they ended up scoring like two plays later, going up 19 to nothing in this game. A.J. Brown ended up getting dinged up. Derrick Henry's injured. There's a lot of things going wrong with the Titans on offense. But Ryan Tannehill couldn't put it on his back, you know, because there are a lot of teams dealing with a lot of different injuries on offense, and a lot of people expect those players to overcome the... Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The misfortunes that happen, right? Daniel Jones, for instance. Daniel Jones has hardly had his full complement of players. Rarely does. His offensive line is atrocious, and we expect a little bit more from him despite the fact that he has all of those issues because everyone's dealing with issues right now in the NFL. When you're an eight and two squad facing a one and eight squad, you don't expect to lose at home, even if they are in division. But the Houston Texans were coming off a bye, man. Give him credit. Give David Coley credit. The Titans even outgained this team. 420 yards to 190. It's like everything went wrong for the Titans. The Titans had more time of possession. They had more first downs. It's just the turnovers, man. You can't turn the football over in this league. So, you know, 
credit to the Texans for winning the football game and all that, but wow, that's just a gut-wrenching loss to eat if you're a Tennessee Titans fan or if you're Mike Vrabel and that coaching staff. Mike Vrabel, to me, man, he's the coach of the year. Before this week, and now i got to reassess, but if I had to ballot, I would say Mike Vrabel has been the coach of the year so far. And there's a couple other, other good candidates for that, but what he was able to do, beat the Chiefs at home, beat the Bills at home, and now he loses to the Texans. It's like, oh, my gosh, what's going on with the AFC South? You have the Jags beating the Bills a couple weeks ago. You have the Texans upsetting the Titans. It's madness down there. Anyways, uh, then we have the Cincinnati Bengals putting it to the Las Vegas Raiders, who have not been the same since Henry Ruggs left. Now, Henry Ruggs, remember, he was cut from the team after the drunk driving incident that killed a young woman, which is absolutely horrific. And ever since then, they play the Giants the next week. They've lost all three games. Because the John Gruden situation, when Rich Bisacek took over, he won the first two games and it was like wow they're, they're not missing a beat but since that incident with Henry Ruggs they've lost three and now they're five and five the Cincinnati Bengals did whatever they wanted they ran the football all over them Joe Mixon had th- 30 carries for 123 yards and two touchdowns in this game Joe Burrow didn't even have to do all that much because it was just run the rock and just the Raiders couldn't do anything offensively Derek Carr had 215 yards passing a touchdown and an interception 19 of 27 couldn't establish the run all that well the Raiders and they were at home for this game the Bengals coming off of a bye and the Raiders are just in a tailspin something that's been happening to them all throughout the John Gruden era now Gruden isn't there usually they they start hot like they did this season and then they they kind of flame out at the end of the year that's happening again even though John Gruden isn't there and another uh, game that was close was the Tim Boyle Detroit Lions with the play on Thanksgiving, losing to the Cleveland Browns. Baker Mayfield was dinged up in this game, but, you know, Baker Mayfield, he's going to find his way onto the football field probably next week anyways, but Detroit Lions lose this game with 13-10. Nick Chubb at 22 carries for 130 yards, also had a receiving touchdown in this game, and it was a close game, to be honest, but it wasn't because the Detroit Lions offense was doing anything. Tim Boyle was 15-23. of 23. They just wanted to run the football. Tim Boyle threw for 77 yards, two interceptions. They weren't good, they weren't good-looking interceptions, to be honest. But what interceptions are? DeAndre Swift broke off a beautiful 57-yard run up through the B gap. 14 carries, 136 yards, and a touchdown. But other than that, this was one of those boring type of games. All 13 points by the Browns were scored in the second quarter, and then Detroit kind of inched their way back into this game. It was just a little bit too much for them to overcome because. They didn't have their starting quarterback, and because they're the Detroit Lions, they haven't won a game with Jared Goff in there either. Another interesting game that features an NFC North team is the Chicago Bears losing to the Tyler Huntley-led Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson has been dealing with a sickness, looks seems like all season, to be honest, which is very unfortunate for him. And he couldn't dress in this game, which put Huntley in the game, and he played admirably he had 219 yards through the air 26 of 36 an interception and he added 40 yards on the ground on seven carries he was able to lead an impressive final drive in this game this game was very defensive the entire way Justin Fields left with a rib injury and on Andy Dalton's first pass he threw a touchdown but it was a screen pass that just had a bunch of yak but Andy Dalton played well in this game down the stretch, he ended up throwing for 201 yards and those two touchdowns. He had a beautiful pass late in the game to Marquise Goodwin that went for a touchdown off of a 10-play, 75-yard drive. And, I mean, they were just methodically moving the football down the field, or as Hank Stram would say, matriculating the football down the field. 
and Goodwin broke off for a 49-yard touchdown pass. They didn't get the two-point conversion, and the score ends up being 13-9. And there's less than two minutes left in this game for Tyler Huntley to lead the Baltimore Ravens down the field, and he does just that. Five plays, 72 yards. He tries to go to Rashad Bateman, and that draws a Kendall Vildor defensive pass interference for 21 yards. And then the next play, he finds Devin Duvernay for 21 yards. Then he scrambles for a couple yards, and then he ends up hitting Sammy Watkins a little bit later in the drive on a third and 12 for 29 yards to set up Devonta Freeman's three-yard touchdown run for the Baltimore Ravens to take a 16-13 to lead that ended up being the final score. And if you remember two weeks ago before the bye week for the Chicago Bears, they had a heartbreaking loss against the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is awesome for the New York Giants, man. It really is. The Giants own that first-round pick of the Chicago Bears. So the worse they are, the higher the pick. That's just excellent that they're losing these close games right here for the New York football Giants. Let's hope it continues to happen because I don't know about you. If the Giants end up just spiraling out, sign me up for two top six picks. Could you imagine how cool that would be during draft season? The amount of coverage we would have on it would be freaking awesome. Anyways, uh, Jacksonville loses to the San Francisco 49ers 30-10 to in this game. This was a game where the 49ers just basically did whatever they wanted. A lot of just doing whatever they wanted, essentially. I mean, the time of possession was incredible in the first half of this game. The 49ers possessed it an insane amount. I want to say there was a part late in the second quarter where Jacksonville only had two minutes of offense. It ended the game with San Francisco having over 38 minutes of offense with Jacksonville having just over 21. It's wild to be honest and it didn't really have to do all that much Jimmy Garoppolo did throw two touchdown passes 176 yards but they were just running the football Jeff Wilson had 19 carries Trey Sermon had 10 Debo Samuel had eight and a touchdown Trey Lance got in the game for a little bit and had a couple carries Brendan Ayuk did a lot through the air seven for 85 and a touchdown George Kittle four for 34 and a touchdown Jacksonville couldn't do anything. They had a garbage touchdown run by James Robinson in the fourth quarter. But other than that, they weren't doing anything all game. Trevor Lawrence had some garbage time stats, but nothing really to note. And it's just been a pretty bad season for Jacksonville, who now sits at 2-8 and eight with the 49ers at 5-5. Five and five. Again, well within striking distance for that last wildcard seed for the NFC. Let's move on to probably the best game on the slate, which was the Minnesota Vikings defeating the Green Bay Packers. 34 to 31. Just a huge game from Justin Jefferson, who had eight catches on 10 targets for 169 yards and two touchdowns. Kirk Cousins was slinging 341 yards, three touchdowns. Dalvin Cook doing his thing. Not really efficient with the football, 22 for 86. It's less than four yards per carry, but he had a touchdown that was. It's really set up by Justin Jefferson lunging to the end zone and being tackled on like the one and a half yard line. And as for the Packers, man, they were really exciting as well because Aaron Rodgers had four touchdowns, 385 yards. If you watch the end of this game, it looked like this was going to be another epic Packers type comeback, another brutal loss for the Minnesota Vikings at home at the hand of Aaron Rodgers because in the fourth quarter, the Green Bay Packers led a 12-play, 94-yard drive that was capped off by a Devontae Adams touchdown on a third and six. But then the Vikings come right back with their own 12-play, 79-yard drive that was concluded with a Justin Jefferson 23-yard touchdown pass from Kirk Cousins. That was the touchdown pass where he was aligned in the backfield and caught it out. And that just set up Aaron Rodgers with just over two minutes left to drive down the football field. And he did just that. 
in one play. A 75-yard bomb to Marquez Valdez-Scantling, which gave Kirk Cousins the football, and Kirk Cousins was able to take advantage of Green Bay's defense and drive down the field eight plays, 64 yards, to set up a Greg Joseph 29-yard field goal attempt, which he put through. And it was a very exciting finish to this game. The game in general was very, very exciting, especially the second half. It opened up with a 14-play, 75-yard drive that was ended with a Justin Jefferson touchdown. And then the Right after that, seven play, 75 yards, Devontae Adams touchdown pass from Aaron Rodgers. So just a lot of fireworks happening in this game. And that's kind of what you want to see, especially if you play fantasy football. I mean, you had two receivers in this game, have two touchdowns. Devontae Adams, seven for 115 and two. Justin Jefferson, eight for 169 and two, like I said before. So just a lot going on. Love to see that. And now the Vikings put themselves into the wild card spot as of right now. Obviously, it could change. And then the Green Bay Packers, who were the leaders of the NFC, are now not because the Arizona Cardinals end up beating the Seattle Seahawks 23 to 13 off the back of Colt McCoy. We all know Colt McCoy loves to defeat the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle like he did last year when he was a member of the New York Football Giants, but the Cardinals are 9 and 2, but if they both finish with the same record, the Packers have the tiebreaker because they beat them on that Thursday night football game, but in this Arizona Cardinals game, Seattle Seahawks, I mean, Seattle just looks horrendous. Their defense can't stop anything. I mean, they just got all they could handle from Colt McCoy, James Conner, no Kyler Murray, no DeAndre Hopkins, no Chase Edmonds, doesn't matter. And the Arizona Cardinals, I mean, they scored 23 points, which is all well and good. But Colt McCoy goes for 328, two touchdowns in this game on the Seattle Seahawks defense. And you look at their offense, Seattle, that is, it's just just atrocious since Russell Wilson's been back. Really since Russell Wilson got injured because Geno Smith wasn't all that great. Russell Wilson completed 14 passes in this game for 207 yards. There's just not a lot going on. What's their identity? They can't really run the football all that well. Russell Wilson, he's not cooking. He ain't in no kitchen right now. There's no kitchen anywhere near Russell Wilson. Tyler Lockett ends up with 115 yards in this game because he had a 48-yard catch and he had another nice long catch as well in this game. But DK Metcalf, it's really nowhere to be found. The offense just is spiraling right now, and it's just tank city right now for the Seattle Seahawks, and not on purpose. They're 3-7. and seven. We've never seen this from the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, Russell Wilson was shut out last week. That's insane. He's definitely not right, and remember during the offseason, all the turmoil surrounding Russell Wilson, surrounding the Seattle Seahawks? I could see that happening again, and it could be a little bit more serious and not just media coverage at that point because this is not a great situation right now, and this roster really isn't all that great. Even when everybody is healthy, it's usually just Russell Wilson ascending this team and this roster past its potential, and now its potential is low because Russell Wilson doesn't seem to be 100%, and the roster is probably even worse than it has been in recent past, and now that's why this team is 3-7. and seven. Let's go over the last game we're going to touch on, which is the Miami Dolphins defeating the New York Jets at MetLife Stadium 24-17. to The Jets fall to 2-8 and eight as Miami goes to 4-7 and seven after the mini-bye week where they defeated the Baltimore Ravens on Thursday Night Football, but this game was not Zach Wilson, not Mike White, the legend of Mike White, it was Joe Flacco who finished 24-39 for 291 yards and two touchdowns against Tua Tagovailoa, who was 27-33 of for 273 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception in this game. And this game started off with a Jalen Waddle touchdown run for the Miami Dolphins, and it wasn't the blowout that some expected to see. I didn't necessarily think it was going to be that way because the Jets seemed to play 
I guess you could say competitively at home. I mean, they have two upsets at home against some good teams. The Tennessee Titans and the Bengals are only two wins. And I expected them to play the Miami Dolphins well. But I thought I would see a little bit more out of Miami's offense. And you know what? We ended up getting two touchdown passes from Tua. So maybe I maybe that's fair enough. But they didn't do all that much on the ground. Miles Gaskin and this rushing attack and this offensive line is just not great for the Miami Dolphins. 23 carries for 89 yards isn't terrible. But the Jets are bad. <laughs> on run defense. They're one of the worst run defenses in the league, and Miami couldn't get much going on the ground outside of a Jalen Waddle one-yard touchdown run on a little jet sweep end-around type of play. But other than that, Mac Hollins had the other touchdown catch. I think the the most notable thing from this game, in my opinion, would be the Elijah Moore breakout, which we have seen steadily grow over the last four weeks. But he had 141 yards in this game, a 62-yard long, 11 targets, caught eight of them for a touchdown. Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss, rookie, wide receiver, very, very good player. I loved him coming out of college, and I think the Jets found an absolute steal here. And you also look at Michael Carter, another rookie, running back out of UNC, nine carries for 63 yards, and this game just missed getting a touchdown. He also looked really good. So there were some positives if you're a Jets fan. Now, that's weird to say, but I think these rookies on offense, it's something inspiring to see it just sucks that you're not seeing Zach Wilson the number two overall pick be the breakout that a lot of people hoped he could be or at least you're not even seeing him on the field you're seeing Joe Flacco out there which is you know it's just not final score of the game 24 to 17 Miami Dolphins Jets will be picking near the top of the draft and hopefully if you're a Jet fan you get to see Zach Wilson out on the field sooner rather than later Alrighty, everybody, this is Falato on Football here on the Big Blue View Radio Network. I am the host, Nick Falato. Please go on over to Big Blue View. Check out all the great stuff we're going to have pregame, postgame about the New York Giants and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know we're doing a great job over there, and we'd love to have you go over there and read the content that is being provided from our team. Alrighty, everybody, have a great one. Take care. Be safe. Go Giants. See you later.